I'm Meg Dahl, your unbreakable host. Welcome to the show. a brand new episode of the Unbreakable You podcast. It's Meg here as always and today we are lucky enough to have another Meg on the show. She actually goes by Megan which is my real name so there's two of us Megans here on the show and you may know her from Instagram as Megan Me Fit. I first connected with Megan over on Instagram as I do with the majority of the guests who join me here on the show and the content that Megan shares over on Instagram is just top notch and I needed to have her on the show with me because she also loves talking about body image and nourishing your body well And one of the topics she's really passionate about is talking about how body image can actually fluctuate through your menstrual cycle. So how maybe at one point in your menstrual cycle, you can be feeling really awesome in the skin you're in. And then there are other times in your menstrual cycle where you may be feeling like you're having a few bad body image days day after day after day. So we talk about that throughout today's episode, as well as how to navigate these times in our life. So I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. And as I was preparing this show for you to listen to today, I thought it was kind of funny because in the episode, Megan and I share where we were during this time of recording. So we shared where we were in our menstrual cycles while we were recording this episode. And Megan was actually day four of her cycle. And now a week or two later after we recorded this episode and I'm listening to it again and editing it and now recording this intro, I, I'm also day four now. So it's kind of funny how that worked out. And it just made me reflect once again on how my body image has been while I've been on my period this time. And so I thought I would share that with you (laughs) because I like sharing these things with you. So honestly, this period, this time around this month has been very light on the PMS Side. It's been a really great period. The bleed has been great. The bleed isn't what's been light, but my symptoms have been really light. So on day two of my cycle, I was quite crampy and I basically allowed myself to just lie horizontally all day on the couch reading books, which was so awesome that because it was a Sunday, so it just worked out perfectly. And then I feel like I've just been feeling really great ever since. So I definitely feel like my energy is starting to climb again as it naturally does after we have our period. And the body image stuff, I definitely did notice some changes with my body image. But here's the thing. In this episode, Megan and I share with you how to actually navigate those body image fluctuations. So... I still experience days where my body image is just kind of funky. Like I feel like, oh, I feel like I looked better last week or maybe I feel a little bloaty or puffy or whatever it is, right? But the key is knowing how to navigate these fluctuations or knowing how to navigate these feelings, these thoughts. And if you're a client of mine, you know this is what I help you with as well. So I'm really excited to talk about this in today's episode with Megan. So don't forget to take a screenshot and share on Instagram, tag Megan and I, 
and we would love to connect with you over on Instagram. And every time you share this show, it just really helps to grow the show and get more people listening as well. So every time I see you sharing it, I appreciate it so much. So happy Wednesday, my friends. I will be back with a brand new episode next week with a brand new guest. And we actually have a pretty special announcement coming next week. So I'm excited for that. But for now, you get this episode with Megan and I all about body image, health, and hormones. Hi, Megan. Welcome to the show. You and I have just like bonded over dogs and I mean, we have the same name. (laughs) You spell yours differently. And also like eating disorder recovery and things like that. So we have so much in common and yeah, welcome to the show. I'm so excited for everyone to get to know you better today. Thank you so much for having me. And I really enjoyed our conversation before you push the button. Yeah, we, I mean, I love your dog. I'm loving it every time you update your posts with her included in them. Sweet little Penny. But so you have poodles yourself and I have three. They're always in the content. They're They're always in the background working out with my clients in the videos, you know, or with me when I'm demonstrating. So they're definitely a part of the business. Yeah. Encouraging. So great. I love it. (laughs) I'm obsessed. Yes. Okay. So for those listening right now who are just meeting you for the first time, Megan, I would love for you to just introduce yourself and let people know who you are and what you do and what kind of like brought you to this space. We have such a great topic planned for today and I'm so excited to get into it. But if you want to just like introduce yourself. Thank you so much. So I've been in the fitness and nutrition industry for almost 20 years. It's about 18 years. So it's been a journey. And I got my degree in dietetics, foods and nutrition. So right after high school. Um, But let's, you know, to start a little farther back, I just told you I had actually developed an eating disorder in high school um, in response to a boyfriend breaking up with me for a hotter girlfriend. And that really hits hard in ninth grade. So this was early 2000s. So we have the low rise genes, you know, like a lot of us might've grown up in that era where there was a lot of diet culture in the, not social media yet, but the media of MTV, magazines, those sorts of things. And a lot of pressure to be really, really, really thin. And so I had kind of achieved that by the end of high school. I'd like been working out. I would skip class and work out probably three times a day. And I carried that into high school, uh, from high school into college. But when I got my degree in nutrition and started uh, getting more focused in that, that's what really sent some very important light bulbs. I started seeing actually where some of my disordered behaviors were. So through knowledge, like understanding carbohydrates and proteins and fats and I became a personal trainer in college. I said, wow, well, if I didn't understand things about food, I'm sure I'm not working out very effectively. So I kind of got certified for myself. And then I just started helping people at the gym if they kind of like looked like they needed it, ended up working at the gym at my school. And then I moved to Oregon and built most of my personal training career living out in Portland, Oregon after I graduated college. Really fun. So from box gyms, like 24 hour fitness, to like little cool boot camp gyms with like kettlebells and TRX and stuff like that. So I'm really grateful for all the experiences because I've worked with so many different types of people and body types, social economic status. And that's really helped me have a really broad exposure and just grow a lot as a coach and a trainer. And once I met my husband and we have a romantic story, I made a reel about it last month for our anniversary because we met at the airport during a rainstorm. And he lived in Japan. So we ended up getting married six months later and I moved to Japan and transitioned to online before we all transitioned online. And so um, once I went to uh, Japan is when I really realized after my bodybuilding competitions that I had done towards 2017, 2018, that had exacerbated those eating disorder tendencies. And it just really came to a head in 2020, only because my health. 
took me down. I was having shingles outbreaks once and I had all these sores in my mouth that were not herpes, but like canker sores. And there were so many signs, I say, that the check engine light was on. My body was just asking for me. I was on a hormonal IUD at the time, so I probably would have lost my cycle, but I didn't have one to even have that vital sign. And so summer of 2020, I enrolled in eating disorder therapy and also got my IUD out, which was, I didn't get a warning for that. So I had no idea after 10 years of being on a birth control that I was about to have a journey. So good thing I stumbled into the pro-metabolic community. I met Amanda, hormone healing RD. She's changed my life, just gash wellness. I took her course, you know, these folks, um, really revolutionized my approach and my healing. So now I look at exercise and fitness totally different since I've been humbled with thyroid and adrenal issues um, and, uh, and my cycle and been like really prioritizing cycle health. And so today we're going to talk about body image and the cycle and how they shift. Um, but it's just so important to understand how important like, you've been recently talking about eating enough and nourishing and how exercise can really be uh, healing and re rejuvenating and beneficial for us. And because it is stress to the body, but, and sometimes it can be too much for the stress bucket and throw us over. And so I think that's a really important skill to navigate now. And the fitness industry is kind of waking up to that for females in particular. And I'm really excited to see this shift. So I work in body neutral fitness. So we focus so yeah, focus on like, what is my body doing? What am I capable of? And cultivating that sense of gratitude because that's really what we've seen in the data that actually correlates with a positive body image is body appreciation. Not so much weight loss or weight and happiness are not linked. That's just not how it is. Right. Or even so just that's, like the shape of your body or just like what it looks like, right? Because some of the people listening to this podcast episode, they might not be trying to achieve weight loss, but they're constantly on like this cycle of trying to build muscle or look a certain way, right? Because they think once I look like X, I'm going to be happy, right? But what you're doing and talking about is body neutrality or body neutral fitness. And I love that so much. It's like kind of and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like working out out of like love and appreciation for your body, regardless of what it looks like. Something in my head, I always like thinking, would I be doing this exercise or like this fitness program if it had no impact on how my body looked, right? Like if nothing changed, would like, do I enjoy what I'm doing so much that I would just like do it regardless? And that's why I do the workouts that I do because I'm genuinely like enjoying them. Whereas if I was running or jogging or even doing yoga or Pilates, like those aren't really my things. Whereas what I do, it's like, I'm not doing it to look a certain way. It's just because I enjoy it. Right. And that's something that you're going to commit to. And that's the other thing is I think people have gotten in this head that healthy has to be hard. And like if my neighbor ran and got results or people are doing these things, then I should do those things. And that's a really uh, important thing to navigate. So, you know, body image is defined. I think a lot of people think it's just how they think about their, what they look like, but it's actually your perceptions so you perceive yourself, the beliefs you have about yourself and your body, the feelings and the thoughts, those come from the beliefs you have. And then your actions come from your beliefs, feelings, and thoughts. So all of that encompasses what your body image is. So in essence, it's like your personal relationship with your body. So it's so much more than just what you look like. And then when you were just talking about what you were saying, that type of body image is called cognitive body image. So that's the thoughts and beliefs you hold about yourself. So a lot of, so if someone has a negative cognitive, negative cognitive, cognitive body image, they might think once I reach this goal weight, I'll be happy. Or once I have this muscle, I'll be happy. And we see that a lot. It's like, once I have this amount of money, once I have this house, once I have this husband, it doesn't actually have to be anything with the body. It's, uh, you know, seeking success outside of yourself. You know, that can be another uh, deception that we do to ourselves. 
But here, that's what I was saying. You know, the problem is happiness and weight or muscle or the shape of our body are not actually linked. And so if you're trying to fix an internal problem like happiness with an external solution, it's, it's likely not going to work. And that's where we can often end up with disordered behaviors. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so what you kind of said this, what we were going to be talking about, but we're basically today we planned on talking about like how the body image and now that we know like what body image looks like. And I'm so happy that you really like defined that and clarified that for us because you're so right. I do think so many people just think body image is like that one thing. Like when we wake up in the morning, it's just like, oh, I think I look good today. Today is a good body image day. If I feel like I don't look good today, today is a bad body image day. But it's about like our thoughts as well as our emotions and our feelings and also our actions. And that's a huge thing, right? Like we might feel a little like, gross or whatever word you want to use like we might just feel like we're not really looking our best one day right but how does that actually influence our thoughts about ourselves our emotions about ourselves and our actions towards us or like our actions throughout the day because I know and you could probably elaborate on this too and give some examples but I know in the past when I've had days where I wake up and feel like I I just don't look myself, right? I look a little weird today or whatever. Maybe my face is like puffy for some reason. And then that would trigger like this thought, which would trigger this emotion. And then it would trigger this action of me perhaps like restricting food, right? And now I can easily like just something like a recent example coming to mind is Um, I was like with family this weekend and my aunt took this picture of me and it was really not like a flattering picture of myself, but I can like see that and be like, oh, I don't really like that picture and move on. Right. It doesn't like I don't create this story about myself, which then doesn't lead to me feeling like anxious or uncomfortable. And then that also doesn't lead me to doing other non healthy or supportive behaviors. Exactly. And that's something really, and that's all about just mindfulness is key. And that's what I mentioned in my post that I made yesterday, talking about the body image basics for anybody who's listening to this podcast, I might want to refer back to some of what we just touched on because it's pretty powerful. And so perceptual body image is how you see yourself, but the way you see your body is not always the correct representation of what you actually look like. And if you like, pay attention to quantum physics, like if, you know, what it, it's pretty interesting. So when I think, wow, that's literally, I, I perceive myself and that might not be the objective truth. And that was a really big aha moment for myself to really understand that, like, even when you're looking at the mirror and you see yourself as puffy, like other people might not even perceive that they might not notice that that zit on your face. Like that's really important to understand and shifting that is tricky because perception is, that's why I get to get so excited. It's so woo-woo in a way. But the key is what you were just saying, the negative self-talk. That's what keeps your perceptual lens distorted. And so a big aspect of my coaching practice and a big thing I talk about on my page is self-talk because you're right. Self-talk will really kind of kick off your feelings and then your actions and your hate behaviors from there. And once we can really create awareness and try to stop, redirect, and reframe negative body talk and just negative self-talk in general, like I can't do this or I'm not enough or I'm not worthy, you know, just not judging ourselves for it is really important because that doesn't help. (laughs) You know, oh, I did this again. I'm, you know, then we're making a story about it. So really finding that neutral self-compassion place and then redirecting the thought. And for that, you're just like, oh, I don't like that photo. And you just moved on. And that's, really the essence of neutrality in itself and that's awesome Mm -hmm. and it takes a while to get here but honestly like you and I have both experienced eating disorders and like our journeys are creepily similar like it's like very fascinating um and then even both you and I went to university and studied dietetics so that's also really interesting but um 
Anyways, what I was saying was you and I have both experienced eating disorders. We have both lived with body dysmorphia and now we're like also experiencing the ability to recognize like, oh, this is how I'm seeing myself right now or like recognize that perception that we might be having, but like not create meaning around it, which leads to all the other things, right? Right. And because, I mean, when it comes to our bodies in particular, you know, when it comes to the cycles, I've noticed it with myself and I've noticed this with my clients um, that their body image days fluctuate with week three, with week four. And I'll notice they'll have more bloating because with my clients, I'll do a weekly check-in form where we we touch base on biofeedback. So that sleep energy, digestion, stress, menstrual cycle, self-talk, body image, like a lot of things. It's a lengthy form um, for my, but I, it's so important because that's actually how I know if my, their program is working and supporting them or it's kind of taking them. There's so many things that I can do to shift to make the personal training more personal depending on their biofeedback. And so when I notice that they have more bloating and they have more less sleep. And then they'll also be upset with how they look or a lack of progress. They like take how they look and then the thoughts and feelings were like, Oh, I'm not getting any. And like, it's really interesting how it's like this catastrophizing thing. When I notice it's in sync with where they are in their period. And so that's when I dove into the research because I said, there has to be something to this. Like, obviously we have mental like PMS is a thing. So if we have PMS, and there's 150 different symptoms for PMS and counting, um, you know, that impacts us so much. So wouldn't it be interesting to find, and there's plenty of research out there. And I cite a lot of it in my post, if people want to read more about what we see in the data comparatively from like week one, week two, to week three and week four, and how we perceive our bodies from our mind and from just like mental and physical changes. Yeah. So why don't we start with like week one? So week one, we're bleeding, right? That's like the actual event of having your period. And let's talk about kind of like maybe what the data says about what body image is like during that time of the cycle. But maybe you and I could like also just share personal insights and personal experiences of how we feel during this time as well. Yes. So, you know, the menstrual cycle is broken into two phases if we're super general and then four phases if you want to get more specific. So we have the, you know, menstruation, which is the first week and late follicular phase, which is the second week. And that's when you're going to have your spike of estrogen and your, you know, for ob- and then ovulation. So that might be the best week for energy, for socialization. Um, you might be the lightest on the scale that week. Uh, that's the week to push yourself at the gym and set personal best. So that's my personal favorite week is <laughs> like late follicular phase. Um, But what we see in the data is um, after ovulation, as we're in week, like week four, phase four, like the later part of our cycle and luteal, late luteal phase. And obviously this varies for every individual, because if you're listening to this podcast and you weren't in those studies, then you might be a little different than that. And that's okay. Um, But we see in luteal phase and then in menstruation phase. So phase one and phase four are those phases that are impacted the most. And that's where we see and feel maybe more significant changes in regards to our mental and physical minds and bodies. And that's also when PMS symptoms are likely at their peaks. From my experience, unless you have PMDD, then you might just have PMS symptoms for like three weeks in a row. Right. Mm -hmm. So you're like, for you personally, Megan, like, for body image, you're saying that like your best kind of like you feel the best in your body and maybe don't really experience struggles with your body image during like the ovulation kind of time. So late like follicular phase around ovulation, that sort of time are maybe the easiest for you. And then leading up to menstruation and during menstruation, that's typically where you will also experience some more challenges with body image. 
And I'm still working on building up my progesterone to estrogen ratio, which is because I, you know, I think I mentioned I was on hormonal birth control for like 10 years. So that's been a, a really important focus. So, you know, estrogen gives us glowing skin, you know, gets a bad rep when it's out of balance, but you know, it's, it's, it's really important, you know, it gives us like great sex drive, loads of energy. And that's, I think, you know, that's what helps us. There's like a really big peak of estrogen. And I feel that so much at the gym. It's so fun because I do the same workouts every week. And that's really cool because I bring my poor period, I just bring my different self every week to the same workout. So I really see the difference of like, wow, this weight feels different this week. And there's data on that. Like you're more prone to injuries in your luteal phase um, because of uh, some of those hormone changes. And I love the research on that. I learned a lot about that from Tamo Littlewood, who's a really cool researcher. Um, who's been on Kitty's podcast is how I learned about him. He's a genius when it comes to PMS symptoms. So yes, I personally experience a lot of that. And then in the data, you can just see that that is what's been set. Ovulation is a, can be a social time. If you learn about cycle syncing, um, that's pretty popular. They also talk about like, you know, that week two is going to be your like most social week, do your big project weeks. If you're a content creator, that's when you should try to batch your stuff, if you will. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so for you during the weeks where body image is more of a struggle for you. So during like menstruation and leading up to menstruation, I'm curious, like, okay, so I think it's powerful to just simply have the awareness that that's happening, right? Because then we're not like, whoa, what's, what's going on? And like you said, our listeners, it might be totally different for them right? I truly, I'm like sitting back because I do, I know I have kind of like a, I've tracked in for long enough for where, you know, I'm like, Ooh, yeah, this is where I'm kind of struggling a little bit more. And leading up to my period, I can definitely get like more critical of like myself and also not everyone around me, but like my boyfriend, you know, like I feel like I'm like a little bit more catty with him, like right leading up to my period. And then it's like when things actually start happening, like while I'm on my period, I think I feel like pretty awesome. But they also say that that's like the most intuitive time. And so I feel like that kind of plays into that for me. But basically I'm sharing that. So our listeners are like inspired to track for themselves, like where that kind of lines up for them, you know, month after month. Okay. Where am I kind of, you know, syncing up every month of where I'm like kind of more so struggling with my body image, because then we have that awareness and rather than like freaking out that, Oh my gosh, I'm having a bad body image day or something. Just having that awareness of, Oh yeah, this is that time in my cycle where I generally don't feel awesome about how I look, right? Like I kind of have that awareness too when I don't sleep well. Like if I'm sleep deprived, my mind can be so nasty to me. You know, it's like, oh, like I'm not doing a good enough job at this, this and this, right? But like I'm sleep deprived. My mind literally has not had enough sleep. So I'm aware of that, right? And it's like, oh yeah, I'm just being harder on myself today because I haven't had a good night's sleep. And the same goes for this, right? Oh, I'm being a little bit more critical of my body today because I'm at this point in my cycle. Right, and that is so important. The more we understand about our monthly cycles and the hormone fluctuations and how they impact our brain chemistry, our energy levels and our metabolic function, and we can support our physiology and just ourselves with, you know, during, differently for those different times. And this awareness is key to behavior change. It's step one. And it kind of helps you feel like, wow, like, okay, I'm, it's, I think it's really empowering to start to see, like, my husband even understands. He's like, you're right before your period. Like, he even gives me extra grace and reminds me to help remind myself. And, in tune, then I can understand like, okay, I'm going to take space really quick. Cause I'm 
I know that I'm not behaving my best and I'm going to go journal or knowing that in luteal phase, I might need to be a little more proactive with some of those behaviors for like my, me and my husband or something like that. It's gotten a lot better too, but there's, you know, really interesting data when it comes to, you know, like PMS goes to court, you know, there's a chapter in um, this book here once a month that talks all about, um, court cases and interesting data that we see with crimes committed um, and due to menstruation and PMS and hormones. It's so it's fascinating. So it's, fascinating. I'm super, super fascinated by it. And I'm really glad that you brought up the sleep because, you know, when we don't have like uh, optimal sleep and that's, it really varies for everybody, but average is like less than six hours, your brain function and your ability to focus and your ability to process sugar and like a lot of things are thrown off kilter. And so it's really important to bring awareness to that. And um, I try to remind myself on those days where I haven't slept well to make sure that I, you know, I've always paid more attention now since I've worked with Amanda about eating before drinking coffee, but especially on days that I haven't slept well, because I know I'll be more susceptible to those things. And so I just know that I'm likely going to go to coffee more because I'm sleepy, but I want to make sure that I go for energy, food first, energy, and that sort of thing. So again, it's all about awareness and navigating the messy sea of life and implementing. You can have all the knowledge in the world, but you really want to understand how to implement that like with little actions and behaviors day by day. Right. So let's have some like real chat right now. Where are you in your cycle and how are you feeling in your body right now? Like what's coming up for you, if anything? Yeah. Um, real chat. So I am in day four. So I'm actually feeling really good. This was actually a very low symptom cycle. I just set four personal bests at the gym. It was leg day. And I, um, I added, I forgot that I upped, I like, uh, progressed all my workouts. And then, so when I was going there, I was like, what four sets, what 10 reps I was like, who wrote that? I was like, Oh me, it was a fun, fun workout. Cause I've been, you know, dealing with a lot of health and back injury stuff from 2021. So this 2022 is like my comeback year for like mental health and physical health. So it felt really good. And so I give myself permission in these first two weeks, if I'm feeling up to it, I'll train as I will. Um, but as I shift into luteal phase, you know, and that's when we see, um, body related negative thoughts, more anxiety about our appearance is more significantly highest and more notable during that luteal and menstruational phase. So I noticed that at the gym when I'll be wearing the same outfits that I wear on another week. Um, and I, you know, so I just noticed when I'm looking at myself in the mirror and I'm like squatting and I've gained weight in my recovery, I look incredibly different than I did when I was a bodybuilding competitor. And there's a lot of girls that walk around the gym looking like how I used to look and it's super intense and it has nothing to do with them. Cause I think they look banging. It's just like what I do when I'm with myself and I'm like, whoa, Nelly, I almost cry to be honest. It's really difficult to show up at the gym being heavier. I don't think anyone sees me that way. They, A, they didn't know me four years ago and B, like so many people are like, oh, you just are so healthy. You look so healthy. That's what everyone says. Not that, you know, but it is very affirming right now. I'm actually like seeking outward insight because with body dysmorphia, it's kind of affirming when, you know, my husband thinks I'm good looking still. And he thinks I'm, I forget what he calls me, like a bombshell, I think is what he says. And that just, I'm like, okay, well, my husband thinks I'm hot. That's all that really matters. Thank goodness. You know, and I just really work on, you know, just really affirming myself and having, and focused on how strong I've gotten and how much I just love myself and just really watching myself talk. And just when I'm in EMDR therapy and I'm doing EFT tapping, I'm doing a lot of work with the nervous system to kind of rewire and retrain my brain just so the listeners know because it's been such a difficult journey to shift some of these deeply seated self-hatred self-loathing and disordered behaviors that I've had since I was 16. Mm -hmm. Girl I get it and I'm so proud of you you know you've got like you mentioned that this kind of all came to a head in 2020 you know, like, yeah, how it hasn't been that come. long. It's, it's not, it's not a long time at all. So I'm just really proud of you. Thank you. I mean, I dove 
like head first in. I was so hungry to learn everything. Like, so they say there's like three categories of knowledge. There's what you know, you know, and what you know, you don't know. But then there's that elusive, what you don't know, you don't know. <laughs> and that's what I stumbled into with these health issues, like the thyroid, the endocrine, the lymphatic system, these things that we're not definitely didn't discuss too much of that in dietetics, you know, you know, I don't, what, and I'm just so humbled and then excited. So I've done some certifications in psychology and some certifications in uh, the specialization of like metabolic and thyroid and adrenal and polypharmacy. So I can help these complex cases. So that's kind of where I see myself as people who have taken HTMA and done Dutch tests and have worked with some of the practitioners in our community and then are ready to kind of, you know, have someone hold them accountable to those protocols and safely incorporate fitness and exercise and movement, rebuild their pelvis. Like so many people um, have posture issues, um, you know, with like, you know, because we sit a lot and I really help I really, Just you know, like chilling out in my me too. I mean, right me now. too. I, I work, I work online now, so I'm no longer in the gym, you know, on my feet, demonstrating exercises all day. I'm now maybe filming once in a while, but I'm on the computer all the time, creating content and working with clients. So I hear you on that. So I just focus a lot with that. And, I, and again, that's that biofeedback, you know, are my clients active? Are there hairdressers? If they're hairdressers, girl, I have to keep them like I, their arms are their money makers. So I want to make sure that I don't injure them. I don't tweak them. So there's a lot of fun I have in making sure that what we're doing is going to be supportive and, and, and helpful to them. Because, you know, when you're carrying heavy groceries in or, you know, doing stuff in the real world, I'm always like, oh, what was it? I don't know. I'm just doing something with like mowing, mowing the lawn and I have a really big ditch. And just being strong enough because the lawnmower is really heavy to like not fall into the ditch with it. I'm just like so proud of myself. I was like using my core and just like, that's what fitness is all about is being able to like be functional in the real world and um, not hurt yourself or know how to use your body so you can prevent kind of hurting yourself, that sort of thing. Right. And it's like just going back to that really powerful example and visual example of you like mowing the lawn and like going into the ditch, right? It's like, you wouldn't be able to, not only are you strong because you're able to work out and you do that, but it's like, you wouldn't be able to do that if you weren't eating enough, right? Oh, like if you were unnourished, oh, yeah. you would not be strong enough to do those daily activities. And so that's part of, you know, what being fit and healthy is too, like having the energy aka like calories like enough calories coming in so you're able to have that energy to do these things especially in South Carolina down here in Charleston it is hot it is humid so it is a whole nother experience to be out there doing work and so when I'm in the backyard and I'm coming into the front yard I've got salted watermelon for a little break you know I've definitely focused so much on I actually re like I think the word healthy got hijacked by diet culture a lot. I think I don't really like that word anymore. So nourishment, like nourishment is something that really like warms me up when I think about it. So whenever my, that's my intention. So whether I'm, you know, movement um, and then food. Yeah. So making sure I'm eating enough. And when I'm, I, I, I personally fall in and out of tracking macros. So while I've recovered from an eating disorder and it's very debatable when the intention, and I'm working on a post for this, there's some cool data saying that the intention behind the tracking is really the significant influencer here. So if you're tracking to make sure you're getting enough protein, making sure you're eating enough, then it has shown in the data. In my personal experience, I have like no stress around it besides it's just kind of annoying. But what I notice when I'm not tracking is I'm not holding myself accountable to eating enough food. And I'm still kind of falling into some of my old patterns of eating really small meals, like two eggs and a piece of toast with some jam. Like girl, my meals need to be like 700 calories each. Cause I need like 2,400 calories a day. If I don't get a certain amount of carbs, I won't sleep very well at night. And that's the motivation for me. It's not anything about my body. I'm like, I want to sleep well. I want to have energy in my workouts. Oh my gosh. If I don't eat enough carbs, I'm not going to be able to throw around the weight that I want to. So it's like sometimes, yeah. So sometimes when I don't have an appetite, I know that I still need to eat and feel myself as an athlete because I love, you know, just the, con you know, I talk about contrast a lot with my clients, you know, experiencing a feeling you don't like is actually crucial in motivation because that's the like motivation. The definition is 
you know, the motive behind your action. So when you don't feel good, that's a drive to be like, what can I do to optimize this? Sometimes we can't change it right on the fly, but other times you can look back and see like a lot of clients and myself, if I don't plan food, if I don't have an idea of what I'm going to eat, I can fall into work mode or get caught up with stuff and just forget to eat. So there's just all these strategies that are very different depending on who you are. But you start to like have any sort of reflection on what you've been up to the last couple of days and notice when your habits where you fall into not eating and that sort of thing. So for me, tracking uh, helps me not under eat. And it's so important because I love exercising. So I know people have their you know, their opinions on that. So I don't think it's for everybody. Some of my clients just take photos of their food and then, um, and not all their meals, but just once in a while, cause I, we have digestive issues and, you know, we have health issues. So I'm like, you know, if I, if food can be medicine. So it is important for me to see that as a coach, but just as a little disclaimer, there's lots of ways that you can remember what you ate last Tuesday, just by taking a photo, not even worrying about the macros, just take a photo. And then that's a nice way to see like, you know, was your digestion off? Was your sleep off? Because, you know, food and making small tweaks like that can be really optimizing. And that's something that I try not to get too obsessed about because that's obviously old behaviors, but have fun about knowing that, you know, the habits I have in the day can really help me sleep better at night. Right. Yeah, I know. And I'm totally with you with everything you said um, and about the tracking and then also the pictures can be super helpful too as a practitioner to see like if a client is not able to track for whatever reason, um, if it doesn't like work for them, right? Pictures can be super helpful because something for me like going through eating disorder recovery or just experiencing an eating disorder in the past and it being like a restrictive type of eating disorder, I really um, got very confused about like what an actual portion size looked like, right? And so a client can tell you and I, because we work with like similar type of clients in some cases, and a client might say like, oh yeah, I had rice for dinner, right? And okay, how much rice is this rice? right? Is it like this little clump of rice or does it like take up most of your plate kind of rice? And that's actually something that helped me too with tracking it. I'm like you, like I need a certain number of calories or else my periods, like my cycles just get super long, right? And they start like pushing that 40 day mark or even longer. And as soon as I increase my calories and get them to a certain amount, it's like, it's like clockwork and it just comes very regularly when it needs to. And I'm also ovulating like right when I need to in my cycle. And so just tracking has really helped me with that too. But also like it's helped me realize, wow, that like I need that many carbs and it takes this much food to actually get to that many carbs, right? Like before I would you know, it's like, oh, like one piece of fruit in a single day or whatever. And like, I just told you I had like three pieces of fruit right before we hopped on this call to for like part of my snack. And in the past, never would have I done that because I truly was so confused about portion sizes. Absolutely. And I think sometimes like people, like we look to the label to see what that is. And that's not always, you know, accurate portion size for you. Um, it can be guidance, I think, you know, just for tracking, be like, oh, I'm going to have two of the boxes portions. Cause that's what, that's what I need. So yeah, yeah. That's what I need. Yeah. So it's important to like, you know, to take all the data and just make it work for you. And that can be really confusing. That's why having, I think a one-on-one coach is so helpful for everybody in the world because, you know, everybody is just a little bit unique and everyone's lifestyle and their diet history and their stress levels and um, how, how much they move and what type of training that they do. Like all of these things are really going to, you know, impact their dietary needs. But yeah, tracking photos has been so helpful for my clients because some of them have come from my isogenics background and an isogenics land. Oh girl. Well, we, we swap food with shakes. So you're, we're not eating food. We're going to have a 250 calorie shake and it fills you up and it's full Just of synthetic so stuff. Knows, she is like shaking her finger right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause I am being sarcastic and I'm not really, I, I mean, 
I believed so much in that company when I did it and I like give myself grace and the shakes taste freaking delicious. So I'll give them that, but I had an eating disorder history. And so I was already in high school. I did the special K diet. So where you eat cereal for breakfast and lunch, and then you have a sensible dinner. So the isogenics plan was literally exactly what I wanted to do. Like, I don't like eating. I don't like having to think about food. Food stresses me out. So once I fell into isogenics, I was just literally wanting to eat only isogenics products. They seemed like safe foods for me. I won't get fat. I won't get fat on their little cleanse day snack or whatever it was. And so it was really interesting. Um, so my clients that I've known for a while and I've kind of shifted and grown, I left isogenics after five years or so, once I realized some of those habits were uh, fasting for 24, 48 hours because of cleanse days, weren't really getting rid of toxins. So many things that I was doing to myself, you know, unknowingly, you know, those clients have a lot of these old habits still. Like we basically drilled in, and sometimes these clients, they weren't on my team, my MLM team, but I, people have left isogenics have come to find me because we have to like undo what it taught us. And we basically suppress our hunger a lot. We deny our hunger cues. It's like an achievement to do a 48 hour fast, which means you basically denied yourself food for so long. Yeah. You're just like, it's, like, it's psychological torture. I mean, yes. And I remember just like shaking and being like, I can't break my fast and literally doing the math and being like, I'm counting my sleeping hours. This has been 48 hours. You know, it was, it's so those clients are so used to eating really small food because isogenic says to have you do like 13, 1500 calories per day. And so some of my clients need to be eating closer to 19, 2000 calories. So we don't just up their portions right away. We slowly work to get their calories and their hunger cues more in line. But yeah, it's interesting because what I do notice when we get stressed out, we kind of put paying attention to what we're eating or so we can just fall into old habits very easily under stressful conditions. And that's where I really refer to this concept of mechanical eating, making that habit because you don't exist on thin air. So, you know, even if you were really busy, like we're really stressed out or sad, we need to have a little something, even if it's like bone broth and some applesauce, just a little something, you know, to keep you going. One of my clients, um, brother just committed suicide last week. And so that was huge to like help her through and um, so much uh, compassion and mental health support. And I was just so grateful that I wasn't this like no excuse fitness, which I think is really toxic. That's not the kind of coach I was. So we, we changed so much of what she was doing. And she actually, you know, I was like, you know, you can quit, we can go for a break, but she actually came back and wants to stay on because this her mental health is better when she's in the gym and training. But it was, you know, I got goosebumps talking about it because there's so much that is wellness that's just not workouts and it's not macros. It's there's so much that goes into it. And that's why I love this conversation about awareness of so many things. And then the more we understand how our cycle impacts that, because it's not just um, negative thoughts about our body or anxiety about our appearance. We're going to see water retention, autonomic reactivity. So like your autonomic nervous system is going to be different. And so that's the stuff that you don't think about or consciously have effort to. So that is really important to understand the reactivity that we have from that. And um, there's going to be some loss of control or a negative effect with the A and impaired concentration and so I can see that when I'm creating content as well, um, I can feel that in my luteal phase. So it's not just negative body image. Like I feel like my brain is more brain foggy. I might stumble over my words more. Um, and I can just, you know, just understand these hormonal fluctuations are really impacting my brain and my body, which is so important to give yourself compassion. I can be more prone to depression, less confident, more critical of myself. And just once I'm aware of that, it gives you the moment to pause and take a breath and shift your focus. Yes, I so agree. And I hope our listeners are able to leave this episode just with even a slightly um, more awareness than when they came. And that'll support them in their next cycle. 
So thank you so much for joining me, Megan. And I hope that you can share with everyone where they can find you and connect with you because obviously you shared that you work with clients. So let everyone know where they can find you. And we'll also put your links and everything in the show notes. Great. Thank you so much. So just to sum everything up, your for tips and support, we said track your cycle and bring awareness to fluctuations. Practice body appreciation and positive self-talk. You know, try to catch yourself when we might be going down those negative spirals. Um, prioritize rest and self-care. Make sure we're doing activities that make us happy and excited. Like you said, that's not running if it doesn't excite you. Um, and maybe hire a coach or a practitioner or, you know, for more one-on-one guidance if you're really struggling. And that might not be either one of the megs here. Um, I just had, so I just had someone reach out to me on Instagram, which is where you can find me that asked, um, asked me where, like, it was so cool. She was like, this is what I'm struggling with. Who do you think I should go or, and I, where, who should I hire? And I thought it was so cool that she trusted me enough to, that I'm like a guide. So it wasn't just me, which I, I might be able to help her, but I also presented several other practitioners because I get to know people like you. And I like to collect people to send you know, the direction. So I think it's really rad um, that you offered me to, you know, share your platform here with your podcast. So you can find me on Instagram at Megan, M-E-G-A-N underscore me fit, like making me fit, but Megan me fit. And that's some pretty, I'm pretty active on Instagram. And then you can check out my website at meganmefit.com. And I've got a blog, um, meganmefitblog.com. And I expand a little bit more on posts on the blog. Um, but I'm just really grateful that we had this powerful conversation. I think body image is so complex. There's so many factors that we didn't even touch on that can impact body image. So I hope that the listeners can, you know, have an idea of where to start and then have an opportunity to start researching more. There's a lot of cool books and a really cool movement, the body neutral fitness movement that you could look into to see if it might be a good fit for you. Awesome. Thank you so much. And one last question that I ask all of my guests, and that is, what does it mean to you to be unbreakable? Unbreakable. I think for me, that means regardless of what external conditions are unfolding, I'm able to witness all my feelings and not judge any of them and stay the course. And that's being unbreakable, not, not, not feeling a negative emotion, but just not letting that negative emotion take me off course. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Thank you so much. I so agree with that as well. Yay. <laughs> Thank you awesome. so much for this. Thanks, Megan. Thank you.